Should pale death with triple dread make the ocean caves our bed, God who hears the surges roar, deign to save our suppliant soul. Welcome back to another episode of So Did You Like It, a film podcast that you can lose with the thousands and thousands of other film podcasts. But we're not going to be critics. We're not going to throw a number at you at the end of this. We're just going to ask that question. So did you like it? I'm Sir Square and joined as always with my co-host. I be a one-eyed seabird who hunts you from ye past. And his name's Kaz. And, you know, we're just kind of going into a random roll of the dice a lot with these movies this week. So we checked out The Lighthouse. Uh, written and directed by Robert Eggers, co-written by his brother Max Eggers, starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. This is a story about two lighthouse wikis alone on an island. This is a story about isolationism. This is a story about gaslighting. This is a story about cosmic horror in some senses. This is a story about mythology. This is not your one genre movie. And I gotta say, oh, it's hard to it's hard to say anything bad about this movie for me. It really is. I have to be honest. Put you some color. <laughs> no, it doesn't need color. All right, it doesn't need color. It's perfect in in monochrome. Monochrome was just the right choice for this. Um, all right. I I just think that's especially coming from me, the man who fucking sought out the specific Blu-ray of the mist so i could watch it in black and white yeah specifically you who i have seen shown up to a job where we work together in black shoes black pants black polo with a black and white striped undershirt like nah dude it is perfect for you i have colored colorful beanies uh buttons on my beanie. yes all right you're a beautiful colorful soul on the inside i get it anyway yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, it is in black and white, and I think it is to, to, to great effect, actually. I think it's a cool choice, um, and I think I can't actually imagine this movie in color. Yeah, it would be weird. Like, I I heard that Disney is releasing a colored version of Werewolf by Night uh, for this October, and it's just like, why? Why would you do that? That like, was so good. It was the perfect choice. You actually made something that was better than... Anything that you've made since, like, Endgame. And it was just, why? Stick That'd to a something. creative choice. That would be something good, cool for them to do, actually, for, like, April Fool's, is just put every everything in their catalog in black and white. That and would be like, so the, cool. What the fuck is happening? They, <laughs> oh, my God. So many canceled subscriptions. It would be hilarious. Oh, man. I would love to watch the original Iron Man in black and white. I was going to say, I want to watch Age of Ultron for no specific reason in black and white. <laughs> just because I that think it would also, be funny. That would be also pretty great. With James Spader's voice? Heck yeah. Yeah. Heck James Spader's yeah. got a voice for black and white. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Peter, if you're listening, please please join us on the podcast. I think that would be Yeah, let's watch Stargate sometimes. We'll have a great time. Holy shit, you <laughs> nailed it. If I was going to pick a James Spader movie, that'd be the one. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I was watching it earlier with my parents. I'm just like, man, I love this movie. we got to watch this. But yes, okay. The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse is an interesting movie because it's technically supposed to be part of an ongoing trilogy of movies that Jane, uh, or Robert Eggers is doing. I almost said James Spader. <laughs> gotta calm down now. Alright? I gotta relax the mind. I gotta get Spader off the mind. I'm trying! Okay? I'm trying! <laughs> but yeah. 
This is an interesting like trilogy of of New England folk horror that he's doing. It okay. started with The Witch in 2015, which is a much more visceral horror film. Like it is that is I will say that is more of a horror film than this movie. But this film, I think out of the three films he's done that have been major motion pictures that like get theater releases, two of them by A24, I can't remember who did um the Northmen, but it was like a bigger studio for the Northmen. Mm. Uh, this is my favorite film of his so because like a, what? Like a trilogy in the way that the Cornetto trilogy is a trilogy. Yeah, well, yeah, they're not going to be connected anyway. It's just he's telling folklore stories. Like he's going to do three films. That's like this is my New England folklore trilogy, kind of like. With Cartoon Saloon with Wolfwalkers, that's part of the Irish folklore trilogy. There's three Irish folklore movies they did that are animated that are all just like together mm. in one collection because they like make a book of stories. Like this is a book of horror stories or a book of folk stories. Because the thing I like about The Lighthouse is it's a multi it's a multi-genre film. You cannot pigeonhole this film with just one term because these characters are going through so much just because they have to be alone together on this island. But it's like a thriller, a supernatural horror, a cosmic horror, a toxic gay romance, a cautionary tale, <laughs> slight horror. Uh, a toxic father-son's kind of story as well. It's a folk story. It's a mythologic story. There's Let's talk a about lot that of... mythology. Uh, I don't know. I keep like because you they, you get a lot of uh... now. Maybe I'm not too boned up on my uh, mythology and all that. Like you get a lot of illusions. You get a lot of depictions, visual depictions, as well as you know some things that is like, oh, okay, it's like that kind of thing. But it the mythology part of it doesn't really feel like a strong connection. It just feels like more of a visually thematic connection. Well, actually, when it comes to Willem Dafoe's character, he is supposed to be um, kind of this human representation of Proteus. Even though, like, it's only in one specific scene, it's the biggest scene with him, where he accurately predicts uh, Thomas's death, or Ephraim Winslow, as he's going by his, like, fake name at this point, or assumed identity. He's supposed... That's why, like, in his hallucination, you'll see him with, like, the tentacles and, like, the sea creatures on him. And that is what the Eggers brothers actually wanted because they did want to tie in that mythology to add to the insanity of the, of the situation going on in his head. But also, like, look at the ending of the film with him just laying there being eaten alive by seagulls. Yeah. Like, that is supposed to be the the ending. This is not us like thinking this is happening in his head as he's dying on the floor like yeah. this is what's happening because there is something going on because the original core of this story when it was written was it was supposed to be a ghost story. Yeah, but I'm saying like you get like the allusions to Prometheus. He goes to the finally gets to the top of the lighthouse, gets the fire and then seagulls are picking out his fucking guts at the end kind of thing. Uh they even recreate that a painting, I believe it's Hypnos, where yes. Willem Dafoe is just yeah. a beacon of light shining in the face of uh, of a Robert Pattinson or uh, Ephraim. 
Ephraim Winslow. And Thomas Wake. Which, great that his name's Wake. It's both an allusion to the sea, and I'm not sure if any of this is a fucking dream or not. <laughs> it's fucked up, man. So we got an unreliable narrator um, and an untrustworthy storyteller. Because <laughs> we're following Ephraim's perspective the whole way. And like almost immediately, not immediately, but almost immediately, uh, we can see that this man is not right. He has delusions. He has like uh, some kind of episodes where he just sees things that aren't true. They're not there. And you don't know how much of it is his fucked up mind that's just uh, recontextualizing scenes uh, to himself. <laughs> And how much and of it is goddamn Willem Dafoe just gaslighting the whole time and telling him just absolute dog shit lies? And what's really interesting that you brought up about him seeing stuff even from the very beginning is like, yeah, on that first night when he's like smoking a cigarette and looking out into the sea, he sees like the logs floating by him and the corpse of the real Ephraim Wimslow. So that's like a real kind of depiction of him like dealing with his guilt of what is basically murder like he could have saved his life like it was a situation where he did have a role in the choice like he could have saved this man's life but because this man had dogged on him as he put it when it actually just sounded like it sounded like he was a hard-ass boss and that's really it like he let him just die which the court of law would probably call you a murderer at that point yeah. Well, so he's dealing with that guilt. And then when Willem Dafoe just starts gaslighting him like a motherfucker, that's when it just gets weird. Yeah, but I don't know. I get, I get the impression that a lot of these delusions that he sees in his head, the visions that we see, uh, are just uh, distortions of his mind. Like, I think he sees these things as the way they're depicted to us. Um and I think he's just got a fucked up little brain. And, and part of that is maybe guilt, but I think there might be something medically wrong with him. Oh, he's just a, he's just got a fucked up little brain? Yeah, he's, he's got a fucked got up a little sad, brain. Got a sad little fucked up little Everyone brain. Everyone here's got a fucked up little brain. I don't know. No one seems right. <laughs> no, no one does. And that, I guess, has to do with the story of isolation as well, like... At the beginning, it just seemed like it was a quiet new guy and a hard-ass old guy. But even before the storm that keeps them there, you can tell that Ephraim is already just losing it. Yeah. Well, well then yeah. you you at this point you've also kind of started to realize that Willem Dafoe's character Thomas Howard was never actually sane to begin with. Yeah. Uh, Wake. Oh um, yeah, Thomas Wake. Yeah, I'm gonna Thomas keep calling uh, Robert Pattinson's characters Ephraim just to get them straight. Yeah, to my head. call him. So yeah, we'll call him Ephraim. Call him Wake. <laughs> yeah, or All the right. other one can Got be it. Thomas or Wake or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, but um, yeah. uh, another just dynamic of this, and it's shown like right away, uh, especially on Willem Dafoe's part, and it does show with Robert Pattinson too. But immediately with Willem Dafoe, he you have a char- you have like these character dynamics that just do not work in any way, shape, or form, in that Wake just has to be in control he has to be the one that's right he has to be the one that dictates what happens and you have Ephraim on the other side who 
can't doesn't seem to want to be subordinate in any way. He wants equal ch- uh, chance to work on the lighthouse. He doesn't want to be called boy. He doesn't want to be called dog. He doesn't want. To, he wants to be a an actual equal, and it irks him so much to be subordinate to this man who has to be in control. Yeah, and like I also know where he's coming from in the sense that like basically he's going to be given all of the shit jobs while we see that uh wake all he has to do is watch the light and cook dinner that's literally all he does in the house uh he also does a little bit of uh, log keeping oh that's right yeah he has to do the log keeping to (laughs) make sure everyone gets fair and equal pay correct reveal is so fucked up like that's the that's anyone Ever doesn't matter who you are. If you've ever had to work a job, the moment he finds that journal, and it shows everything he's ever counted against him, and it was almost, uh, uh well, I, I don't want to say it was uh, his fault, uh, or, or it was Wake's fault, but it was all put upon him by Wake. It was all his idea. It was all set upon him by Wake. It was oh, he was drinking all night, this and that, whatever. He doesn't clean up properly, uh slept through like the boat coming in not a great work talks back all this stuff and he recommends leave or uh, what is it separation without pay yeah also like a lot of the situations was these were all things wake was doing uh as well wake was the one that first started drinking on the job wake was the one that was self-habituating himself even didn't even even didn't even want to drink at all. He didn't he drink water until just the last token. night. Until the last night before the boat was supposed to be there. He stayed strong all four weeks. Yeah. Uh, he, he drank water as a kind of a token of, you know, good faith, faith and favor. Uh, and got caught a lot of shit for it. And it was a situation where it was just like, yeah, he did probably mop the floor. But, uh, you know... Gaslighty McWakerson is just like, uh, no, this is unclean, unwashed, unkempt. And it's, it's so, but Willem Dafoe gets this role so well because I hate him so much. I hate this character. Oh, it frustrates me so much because like everyone's kind of. farts. Oh my gosh. That's the first thing you hear before anyone talks. We have farts. Farts come before dialogue in this movie. <laughs> no, first you hear him peeing, pissing in the can, then you hear the fart. All right, get it right. Did, did, oh, I'm sorry. Did that still those farts that I mentioned still not come before dialogue? <laughs> you ass. I'm not gonna be gaslit here for this podcast. You fucking mop the floor, dog. Hey, all right, look, just because I do need to mop the floor and I was thinking about doing it anyway right now doesn't mean I was gaslight into doing it right now, okay? Like, <laughs> I'm going to mop because I want here. to. <laughs> I, I'm going to mop right now because I want to. Just because I conveniently have this Swiffer wet jet right next to me. <laughs> but yeah, he's absolutely a hateable character. Every, like, we were watching in the Discord and everyone's like, oh, this fucking piece of shit. <laughs> I, uh the amount of times where you'd think in your head, like, well, this is what I'd say to him, because you're just like, oh my gosh, this motherfucker. Like I said, anyone who's ever had a job ever can feel oh, this. Oh, the scene where uh, they've been stuck on the lighthouse for, it's an indeterminate amount of time uh, 
what it seems like when Thomas or when Ephraim finally cracks and tries to take uh, the the small boat out to sea, just to see if he can get somewhere because he can't be on that island with Wake anymore. He just can't. He's losing his mind, and he knows it's his dude causing it at this point. And Wake just comes out with an axe, screaming, don't leave me, uh-huh. smashes the boat's front end, or back end, so it's going to sink if you try to take it out, and then totally gaslights Ephraim into thinking, just like I had to try to stop you from... Uh, Destroying the boat like you just did. I don't know why you destroyed that boat, Ephraim. Destroyed the boat and chased me with an axe. I've been trying to tell you to ration for weeks, but you said it didn't matter. And it's just like... Yeah, I just... The fun, the least amount of days you imagine they're here, the funnier it is. Like, I just want to think they were there three or four days. Like three or four extra days. <laughs> they, got, they got through that entire case of boots in like three days. Had the most insane bed. They got drunk. They argued, they fought, they almost kissed, they slow danced, they almost fight, or they fight again. Someone maybe gets axed in the head, maybe. So yeah, when he, like, you talk about he comes out, like, there's like two, uh, I don't know if I'd call them jump scares, but they're the closest that comes to it, and it's one where he pops, both Willem Dafoe with an axe, both times, when he comes out going, don't leave me! And then the other time, (laughs) when he thinks he's already killed Willem Dafoe later on in the movie, and he goes in... Uh, back to the back inside the little like house that they're at, the little shack, and then fucking Willem Dafoe again pops out of nowhere with an axe and is like, "The light belongs to me" or something like that, and it's the scariest fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to see. Also, I don't know how old Willem Dafoe is, but like you feel bad for him when they're throwing dirt on him when he's in that shallow grave. I, I think I said out loud during when we were watching it, I was like, he's an old man. You can't do this to him. <laughs> but then you got to remember what he was doing to him the entire movie. I mean, the actor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, Willem yeah. Dafoe is sitting there monologuing. You can see dirt being thrown in his eye. There's no cutaway. There's throw. There's someone scooping dirt onto his face. You can even see his eye twitching a little bit, as if maybe it weren't they weren't properly sealed when he closed his eyes. So almost like it's irritating him. But he the camera doesn't break away. He doesn't break from his little monologue. It's insane. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> this poor man. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have a problem with a master at his craft? I heard. That was one of the first things that they filmed, so I guess good to get out of the way? I don't know. Well, yeah, Robert Pattinson... Okay, look, there are, there are scenes in this movie where Robert Pattinson is masturbating. That's what his character's doing. And the final time that his character's masturbating in this movie, he has a full mental breakdown, like pants around his ankles kind of situation. It is not a good look. It is hard to look at a man going through that as he's just crying, trying to stab a mermaid statuette. That was the first scene Robert Pattinson filmed for the entire film. Wait, what do you mean? That's not how you do it. I, you know, and I don't. I'm more druidic land. I get. I'm more druidic land tokens. I don't like. I don't like the sea. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I'm more the forest spirit kind of. I'm right there holding like a fucking effigy of the crab, just crying my (laughs) eyes out. (laughs) (laughs) Like, have you have you seen the great forest spirit from Princess Mononoke? Hot damn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
those dead eyes that look like I don't know what direction they're looking at or if they're looking at me even though they're looking at me. Just, <laughs> a hmm. weird man-like face on a deer. <laughs> that neck for days. Yeah, we're normal. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're fine. We're fine. So, we're fine. Speaking of stabbing mermaids. But um, wait, before before we move on. <laughs> but like these were like the first scenes they did. Like they they are incredibly professional, incredibly talented, well-trained actors that are willing to go this type of distance. And like this is not the first time I've heard of like Willem Dafoe doing this cuz in the later collaboration with Robert Eggers, The Northman, he's not in the movie for a long time. But there's a sequence in the film where they the characters are like pretending to be like wolves. And Robert Eggers talks about how when he was talking to Ethan Hawke and Willem Dafoe about that role, all three of them suddenly just clear the like office desk and chairs and they're just all on all fours pretending to be wolves to each other in an office room like middle of the day because that's how theater actors are trained to be. They're ready to go whenever you want. They're going to go that extra distance. Throw dirt on them? Fine. But as long as it's for the scene. Yeah, you say that, and then it was like horror stories of like Jack Black throwing a fit in Tropic Thunder because he was strapped to a fucking donkey or something for like days. <laughs> and he's just like, okay, yeah. Talk that's, about that's how absolutely bitchy else. he was and how he was that's, never going to do this that's... shit again. That's something else, all right? Because I would, I don't care who you are. I'd hate that too. I'm just saying. You can say, listen, they're professionals of the craft. People have a breaking point. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like Tom Cruise is like definitely past that breaking point. Like, how many stunts is Tom Cruise doing where it's just like, dude, you need to stop, all right? Like, you've got to stop. But they don't, you know. And like that, that's true. Or Christian Bale with like his like insane body modifications when it comes to his weight you know for roles it's just it's it's scary to see sometimes those are the ones where it's just like yeah i'm talking about the people where it's just like they're going the extra mile for a good scene in terms of like emotional range even like when it's adding just a little bit to the drama when it's that where you're going to the point where like man i'm a little bit worried about you and i understand I'm just saying, the man sitting in a, laying down in a, like a shallow grave that's cold and wet, and he's throwing dirt on his fucking face, and he's expected <laughs> to keep this monologue. I'm, I don't have the fortitude. I'm no Willem Dafoe. <laughs> I just see, hey, there's that scene yeah. where, where Ephraim's taking that giant container, metal container of gas up to the top of the fucking lighthouse. And then he you know, oh get, gets it all the way top. It's so strenuous looking. They show oh. him going up there and looks so hard. Fucking Willem Dafoe. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Wake just comes up and he's like, well, you have to take that all the way to the bottom. Why don't you just use the little can, you know, just do that. And I'll be honest, even if I just had to take the little can, going up those stairs, um, my day is ruined. I can't. <laughs> oh, I... I wanted to cry a little bit for him in that scene. Like, I feel like a lot of people have gone through that situation before. Where it's yeah. just like, is this like some sort of hazing? Is it? I don't know. <laughs> there's a there's a certain hotel I'll never do ho- uh, deliveries to ever again for my job because my back was fried for three for two weeks after that. <laughs> like, okay, okay. Uh, 
I, as I was watching that scene, I was afraid that that was going to be the point where, like, the character would break. Because I feel like any sane man forced to do that much strenuous work for no reason when the other person just kind of forced that as some sort of fucked up hazing ritual. Because he knew. He knew the whole time. You can't even say, like, oh, I'm sorry I didn't tell you before going to bed. Or I thought the handbook would have told you. I'd have, I'd have punched that man right there. I might have said I was too tired, but honestly, I might have done violence at that point because that's just too much. That's too much. I don't care if you're trying to tell me, like, oh, you're young, you should be able to do that. No, man. No. I'm so tired already. I can't be doing this shit anymore. Don't do that to me. I feel like the end of every scene between Ephraim and Wake always feels like, at this point, this is going to be the part where he snaps. (laughs) I am so... I I couldn't have made it through those four weeks. From the very beginning, just when he's telling him, like, you know, as we've already mentioned before in the beginning, uh, he refuses to call him sir or call him by his name or anything like that. Doesn't show him any amount of respect. Doesn't allow him any kind of uh, authority. When he says, oh, there's no drinking on the job, he says, well, your job is to do as I say. Kind of bullshit. Uh, my handbook is the, my log is the only handbook. It's fucked up. It starts fucked up, and it doesn't get any better ever. Well, they do a slow dance, and they <laughs> I think they have a couple of laughs. Yeah, the moment where they're both kind of just uh, sitting there, uh, him smoking a cigarette, or Ephraim smoking a cigarette, Wake smoking his pipe, him telling a salacious story about Catholic nuns, and you... This is where the father-son dynamic is starting to come in. Because you can tell that, like, Ephraim, at some points of the film, wants that validation from Wake. He doesn't just want to be treated like an equal. He wants to be validated. He wants a daddy. That's what he wants in some of these moments. But because he's showing that weakness, a predatory personality and character like Wake just pounces on that and just uses him to get everything he needs out of him Mm -hmm. and then cut him off to where he's going to probably, like, let's be real, that money that doesn't go to him probably goes to Wake. At least the cut of it. Or cut of it, you know? Uh, I don't know. I don't get the father-son dynamics uh, personally. I see, like, you know, I see, like, the victim abuser kind of thing. And in some uh, some parts of the movie, like I said, there does kind of seem to be more of a inadvertent romantic chemistry. So that some parts where it gets a little less, uh, <laughs> uh, it becomes a little more on the nose. Because um, there's a liter- literally a part where he's, like, over him and, like, punching him or whatever. But then suddenly he's, like, a sexy mermaid lady and he's confused by this and then suddenly it's fucking giggling ass like green goblin willem astafoe with a bunch of barnacles and tentacles coming out of him just going <laughs> it's, it's all kinds of sexually confusing <laughs> um, no, so I, I, I understand i kind understand of more like, like it's not it's not one of the main uh points of the film it's just supposed to be one of like the lighter undertones too yeah and, because uh, like it's supposed to be what what Ephraim wants is a father son relationship what they get is a dominant sub relationship you know uh i kind of um 
it kind of hits real too hard, like how relatable uh, the scenes with Drunken Ephraim uh, are. <laughs> like, it's kind of comical. This movie is comical. Um, yeah. I, I think on purpose. Um, cause it has moments that I don't know. There's just, it's, some of it's horrifying and some of it's just, just funny, but it is kind of comical, uh, the way some of the drunk scenes go. But I mean, I've been in that situation. I've been drunk and felt like I had to spill the beans. I had to get something off my chest. It's not something I ever need to say to anyone or anything like that, but I get this driving feeling that I'm like, I listen, I have to tell someone this will not leave my mind until I tell someone I have to get it. And so I got to spill the beans. It's awful. Uh, you go from moments of crying to hugging to uh, feeling, you know, a deep love for someone to an absolute resentment uh, it's just fucking awful <laughs> and, then, and then yeah like, you start blaming them too when it wasn't even them that like prompted it it's just you started spilling the beans yeah yeah it's just unprompted unnecessary uh and it's just i just the way like i don't know an alcoholic bee um so yeah it's it's depressingly relatable <laughs> in that I've had multiple situations like this. Um, and then, yeah, uh, next day, lots of confusion and regret. <laughs> and not only in spilling the beans, but also where the days went, where the hours gone, where any objective before had gone. <laughs> any prior commitments? I, uh, I don't even know what time it is kind of thing. Um, so that's cool. <laughs> that scene where he's just like sitting there, just like, how long have we been on this rock? Five weeks, two days. Help me to remember. And you're just like, you son of a, like, cause you know, he knows how long they've been on the rock. He, he's logging it. He's got the book. He can reference how many days it's been, but he is just destroying this man's mental state, which you can now tell by this point in the film he did to his previous wiki like that's why that guy ended up killing himself like he could not last being with this man for that long not that there's many that could oh there's not i forgot did he say whether or not he was actually married before you don't know really that's the thing about his character you don't know what's true about him even after he dies you just know he was insane that's true and you know there is something that pulled him to the lighthouse. There's something within the light. Because he, you know he's an alcoholic. But he takes it even farther in certain sequences. Because like there was like a moment in the film where Ephraim's out at night uh, smoking a cigarette. And he looks at the lighthouse and sees Wake just full on naked standing hands outstretched uh in front of the light basking in it and then is like immediately changed into his clothes by the next day or by like a couple seconds later this man's fucking the lighthouse yeah i mean maybe <laughs> i guess this, here, and what a is question. a lighthouse if not just a giant phallic symbol i'm telling you the gay undertones are there no you know it's really funny the original opening sequence uh, showing the lighthouse was actually supposed to be a phallic shot with a stunt double or a body double for Robert Pattinson. So it would be like it was uh, Ephraim's penis. 
So I'm correct. You are absolutely correct. Like Robert Eggers shot it in everything. It was the original, like one of the original opening scenes. So there's there's footage of a man's penis somewhere out there that says the lighthouse on it. Like I think it's supposed to be like a shadowy like background of it that like is sewing the lighthouse, but it's really like a penis or something like that. the investors of the film just like really asked if they could, yeah. could, could you take right. this out. All right, I'm convinced there's a hard drive somewhere out there that has a man's penis that's labeled. Oh, the it is there. <laughs> it is so there somewhere. Like Robert's got it somewhere, you know. Why would Robert it's have the... it? It wasn't even his penis. No, Robert Eggers. Oh, <laughs> the director right. has it. Two Roberts. See, all Two right. So I'm gonna Roberts. call him Robert and call him Ephraim. Okay, just so we're not confused. <laughs> Why would Ephraim have it if it wasn't his penis? Hey, man, sometimes you just need to see the artistic vision, the original vision. Even I'm putting fucking Robert Pattinson into a least dominant role. He doesn't get to be called Thomas. He doesn't get to be called Robert. (laughs) You even call him Howard by his, like, real kid's character's, like, real last name. No. Plus, I don't know so how many times I've heard Ephraim Winslow that I, I just, it'll stick with me more than Thomas will. So, I just wanted to say, you're absolutely right. That is that is actually one of the points of the lighthouse. Thank you. I'll submit, there's more than one shots of naked man, either man-ass or tastefully hidden junk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the poster right now that has that uh, the depiction of uh, Hypnos. And yeah, uh, fucking Willem Dafoe's got that one leg right in front, just positioned just so. Just right. That you don't see how now much you gotta ask, brain. Is that Willem Dafoe or is that a body double? Uh, unless you have a definitive answer, it's going to be Willem Dafoe for me, uh, <laughs> regardless. It's just what you hope for. Why is that what I you're just, trying to say? I just, it's. it's it was the guy from the movie. Why wouldn't I think it's the same guy? <laughs> it could be because a body, body double. doubles exist. All right. Yeah, sure. No one's. Sometimes actors don't want to show their ass. Okay. Oh. oh, what? You can get dirt fucking thrown on you. Axes thrown at you. Let on the leash like a fucking dog while you're barking. You have barnacles while you have a man just uh, sitting atop you, but you can't show a little bit of man ass. I thought oh. we were dealing with professionals. You said. <laughs> masters of their craft master of that ass <laughs> look master of the craft and master of that ass is two different things <laughs> all, right. all right just because they can throw it down on uh on the stage and in front of the camera doesn't mean they can throw it back all right don't get those two confused fair now which is more important is up to you <sighs> can we talk about lobster I would love to talk about lobster. I love this fucking scene. This is after has to be the most notorious. I would imagine the most Googled or YouTube scene of the whole movie where they're having an argument, which, by the way, this scene kicks off hilariously. I mean, it kicks off before this, but it kicks off hilariously with uh, Ephraim being so desperate, one, for, like, good potable food. You don't want to take that with <laughs> Some good actual edible you know, delicious food, as well as just being lonely as hell here, to a point where he tells uh, he tells Wake that if he had a good steak here, he'd fuck it. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, look, I'm going to say I understand Ephraim at this point because <laughs> I don't like seafood at all. So one day alone, I'd already be like, oh, man, I'd already fuck a steak. <laughs> like, just please do not make me eat anything from the ocean anymore. I can't do this. <laughs> all right. That's like that's a, you're that's telling a me you want to eat lobsters, insects of the sea. Is that yeah, what you want? I'll eat a fucking lobster. I love I, I'd love his lobster. Probably. Yeah, I don't know how good of a cook on he is. his lob. So they got the great scene where he's just he's you know he's talking about how he, he's like oh no you like my cooking like oh because they're arguing and he's already saying how he can't stand him and this and that you like me lobster so I know you do like a bickering old married couple and he's like well you like my cooking I've seen it I've seen it you like me lobster at least say it tell me tell me tell me you like me lobster say it. <laughs> And he's like, nah, nah, I don't, I don't, I fucking hate your, hate your lobster. I don't want it. I'm fucking disgusting and all that stuff. To which Willem Dafoe gets up and yells the greatest fucking just, hark! <laughs> hark! Oh, the sink, the sink with the thunderclap. Oh. oh, it's so good. And then he goes into the greatest diatribe about Triton and Neptune and the sea creatures coming out. I, I don't know all of it pervade because it's a very long monologue. I'm not going to say the whole thing, otherwise we'll be here another ten minutes. But yeah, talking about how the sea will curse him, he'll be d- destroyed and desecrated as a man, seagulls will pick out his, his guts, and he'll become as the sea foam. Kind of a little mermaid-ish. Doesn't she become like the sea foam at the end? Because she fails? Anyways... Uh, and yeah, just taken back into the sea, and nothing left of the man that is Ephraim Winslow, all that shit, and it's maybe the greatest scene in all of the movie. The fact that Willem Dafoe gives that entire, after, like, first his eyes are closed at the beginning, but then he opens and he's staring straight at Ephraim, never once blinks for the rest of that monologue, as he is just screaming, only because he wouldn't admit that he liked his lobster. <laughs> That's what this all boils down to. Curses him with the sea god's fury to have his organs pecked out from his bloated corpse by the souls of dead sailors just because he wouldn't say, I like your lobster. Well, I mean, dragging a man and cursing him as such is enough to make him go... All right, then. I like your lobster. Have it your way. I like your lobster. <laughs> <laughs> and it now just like I that. Know. This is why I say this is kind of a comedy. Not really so a comedy, basically, but funny. Are, are you telling me that every time you complain about doing this podcast with me, I just have to curse you before you just go, all right, fine, I do like it. Oh, you want me I to admit I like it? That. I'm like, what? I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> Come on, here. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> I want you to show the enthusiasm <laughs> of a college pep squad. I don't think it ever got. <laughs> I don't think it ever like, came out. Uh, I don't know if it was recorded or if it came out or not. But the amount—I was so bad. The amount of hurt I heard in your voice when I said, "Oh, it's like you know, like sure, I come and show up for the the podcast every day." But it's one of those things, like when you're at school and you just hope that the you know when someone comes in and they have that slip to send someone home, you always hope maybe. Maybe it's me that gets to go home. <laughs> and just when you're like, oh, I didn't know you felt that way about it. I was like, ah, shit. 
<laughs> I went too hard. It's like, damn, I guess I gotta give him those like days where I just fake go like, alright man, I'm sick, I can't make it. You can have the night off. And I just send like a heartfelt text like, oh man, that sucks. I hope you feel better, man. And yeah, really, well, uh, like on the Already episode, loading like, up like the next episode of Puppet in History. The air. <laughs> <laughs> Naked as the day I was born, running around the house going, I'm free! <laughs> Yeah. Uh, friendship, guys, it's great. <laughs> so yeah, ba- basically, you'll have to have one of those uh, one of those speeches set aside and ready for me. Uh, so would you drink turpentine and honey? Absolutely. Didn't I mention earlier that I'm an alcoholic? <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's just like the quick admonition, just like the admission to it, just it. The straight up like yes, honey. I don't like my booze to be sweetened. Get that shit out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's why they threw the honey in there because they <laughs> like their shit sweet. All right, you got turpentine in front of you. What are you gonna add? Oh, never mind. We're not playing this game. <laughs> We're not doing know. this. Forget Herbs. it. Don't answer it. Probably some 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 like lemongrass outside or something. <laughs> Oh, yeah, lemongrass, right outside this lighthouse. I just meant outside where I am right now, but all right. You said I had turpentine in front of me right now. Fine. Oh, wait, sorry. You're right, <laughs> you're right. Also, got lemongrass? Lucky. Good, good, small little addition to soups. We'll talk about that later. Listen, now's yeah, not the time okay, for soups. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to be here for hours. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's seagulls out there. You just, you know, you knock one of them out and... Maybe grab it so, by the head and swing it over, you know, the fucking wooden little, like, well reservoir you have of water for a bit and throw look, that you, in the Look, I know you're trying to make some sort of, like, quaint, like, cute little reference, but that seagull had it coming. It's called a transition, my fellow. So, <laughs> what happens is Robert Pattinson beats the ever-living shit out of this bird. By the way, the bird is... I, is that a real bird? Is that a stage bird, or is that a trained bird? Because Jesus Christ! I think what it was like that was some of the CGI in the film. Ah, like if you really paid well, attention, like not like, the not, I was like, gonna say not the killing it part. I meant just like because it coming in. Oh, on the, the bird itself. The, yeah, knocking on the window at just the right time, cawing like almost like it's laughing at him. I honestly feel like most of the scenes with it, it was CGI. I, I guess it would have to be it just it I guess maybe because it's black and white because you know there's you know there's two reasons to do black and white for artistic view reasons or to cover up bad CGI. Um, also, so maybe, it looked maybe nicer than it also looked nicer than both the characters. So it's just like yeah, I feel like this is CGI. Oh, I guess maybe I didn't look like, too closely. Like at it, but... not nicer, I guess, but more like unreal. Yeah, maybe maybe it looks a little too clear, a little uncanny. Um, do you think that? The soul of that seagull is the old wiki. With the one eye and all that? Um, yeah. When does he see it when it has one eye? Because in my head, like I said, I've already built this narrative that a lot of what uh, uh, what Ephraim sees, I think, is part of his delusion. He hears things, or he knows things. Oh, from he, the he, beginning. When he, he first things. meets the gull, it's one-eyed. And when he learns things, he incorporates this into into everything around him so it's one of those like did he learn about you know uh the previous uh wiki and then you know hey look it's got one eye or did it have one eye the whole time or 
Which came first, I guess, is what I'm asking. I think he learned about the previous wiki first, but by the time he had learned about the previous wiki and by the time he had met the goal, I don't think he was that crazy yet. I I think this is just a one-eyed goal. Like, it is a real one-eyed goal. It's just, is this a coincidence, or is this, like, supposed to add to the superstition? Yeah, we we could uh we could argue back and forth like all day whether or not it's like you know how much of it is real this and that. I'm gonna go under my personal belief that I think, like I said, he just ex- he just absorbs everything like a sponge and it becomes part of just he incorporate reincorporates it into his life. So hearing about the wiki, one eye who's dead, and hearing that like oh the seagulls carry the souls of dead sailors. I think uh, oh that, he didn't learn about that until after Wake yeah. saw him have a problem with the one-eyed goal yeah um and so like i said i think he just he incorporates these things uh into himself and becomes a part of his reality um and that's why i think he makes such an incredible uh unreliable narrator or uh, yeah unreliable uh narrator narrator or is it just you know that we're seeing it from his view either way um yeah that like anything that happens around him you just once he finds uh, has a bit of information that information could be reincorporated into his life in any kind of sense or nonsensical way. Huh, the seagull was real. So, I mean, yeah. I'm like, a, I mean, seagull. like, and not CGI. I mean, like, the seagull was real. What? Like, it was played by a real seagull. Oh, did the seagull have a name? Johnny. Oh, okay. I guess. I mean, whatever. I guess Johnny. <laughs> it's so let down. Yeah, I wanted to have, like, a cool seagull name. <laughs> like Bert. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Bert the Seagull. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is the one where, like, I think they're, like, real speak, like, their actual, like, name is, like, an albatross. It's like, that's already a cool fucking name. Yeah, I guess. Um. Uh, but yeah, you know, and so that, I, I, maybe, you know, I could just be going off on a wild ass, like, my own, like, uh, tinfoil hat like idea of this movie and I could be way off and there could there's probably just an interview of somewhere you know somewhere where uh, you know Eggers or whatever just says like yeah man the the, the seagulls really carried the the souls of dead sailors and all that stuff and there everything I said is just completely nonsense uh, but I like living in this reality that I've reincorporated with the information that I've given <laughs> uh <laughs> So why shouldn't he? But despite either way, this seagull is a manifestation of uh, that dead wiki. Whether it's uh, my, from my perspective, you know, his delusion and all that stuff, or whether it actually is, you know, seagulls carrying the souls of sailors and all that stuff. Either way, this seagull specifically is a manifestation of that wiki. I think. Then here's a question: Do you think anything is actually in the light? In the lighthouse. In the Fresnel lens. No. I don't. I don't think so either. But I think, like, what kind of happened is... My interpretation, like... Uh, me As, like, a fanboy of Cosmic Horror, I want it to be Cosmic Horror. But really, like... And, yes, H.P. Lovecraft was researched for this movie. But I think they were just trying to land that feeling of, like... What if, when in reality, I think it was just him, like, reaching that breaking point in his insanity when, like, he had to come to terms with that, like, yes, he was insane. Like, he did just kill that man to get up to this lighthouse, to open the light, nothing be there. And, like, I feel like when he's reaching in, 
what's happening is like maybe his hand is getting burned or something, but like because he's trying to find something that just isn't there. Also, the door to the light just opens by itself, which you know whether that's real or not. Uh, ultimately, I feel like the you know what was in the light or what did he see in the light ultimately doesn't matter. It's like the like the fucking briefcase in Pulp Fiction. It ultimately doesn't matter. It can be whatever you want, or it could be nothing at all in there. Yeah. The point of the, the story was just, like, he's gone. But yeah, looking into the like, light. Like, uh, Ephraim, what Thomas, whatever, he's nobody. Yeah. It's, 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 I think they nailed that ending really well. Especially when he, when he trips and falls. Like, that moment, like, as you talked about, as, like, Prometheus like falling down the stairs like after like he gets the flame but then as soon as that happens everything goes downhill from there or downstairs whoa um yeah that, <laughs> that tumble down the stairs looks really fucking bad there's only one other tumble down the stairs that is way worse than in my opinion to the point where like it was almost comical john wick john wick four baby yeah, I, I saw forehead. that behind the scenes, and I was like, "Oh no!" Oh, it is way, dude. Trust me, when you see that movie, it is way worse because you're just like, "This is going on way too long." What is it like an escalator going up, and he's going down it? It's a situation <laughs> where like you see how long the stairs are going up, and it gets basically to the top, then someone just kicks him down, and it's just. Oh, you would think he'd stop at some point, but no, he just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. I gave up around two. I saw the second John Wick, and I was like, you look, yeah, these are fun movies. It's too much John Wick for me, man. <laughs> I can't keep up with this. No. Listen, this, this, no, this so started with dog murder that was, you know, taking precedent over uh, wife being dead, which is a little weird to begin with. Uh, and then it, it was a revenge movie on that, and and then there was another one, and I was like, oh, listen, man, you're past the point of revenge. You're just wait, stop. All right, uh, I know we're on a tangent, but we're gonna have to. I just have to say this: it isn't about dog murder. It's the fact that the dog represents the last gift from his wife to let him grieve and move on from her death, and that kid took that away from him, and that's what broke him. It wasn't really actually the dog. It's what the dog represented. I thought it was more that everyone just wants to beat the shit out of Theon Greyjoy. Well, I mean, yeah, that too, but you know. That's that. He's got one of those faces. He's got. Yes, you get it. Those faces you just want to cut the dick off of while eating a sausage. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Okay, That's a Game whoa, of Thrones reference. I'm wait, not that weird. Whoa. I'm pretty weird. Never mind. With <laughs> I one. don't All know. Right. Back I to the lobster. I mean the wiki. Hey, this movie does uh, answer one question, though, because people are always like, you know, what are you going to do with the mermaid? Do you want the fish hat on top? You know, because, you know, oh, what if it's a pretty lady on top? How are you going to fuck her? You know, this and that. They put a vagina in the fish lady. <laughs> <laughs> whoa. They answer that question. All right. That is how you get off your tangent. All right. Mermaids are fuckable, apparently. That's finally put to rest. You can all go home well, no, now. they just make her... They make her bottom fins look like it as a representation of really, like, his sexual frustration because he's alone on this island with another the guy. He's willing to fuck and he's like, He'll make the fins work, man. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you, I don't you work with what you got. I, got. I don't know. That made me feel terrible. Please don't. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> all I'm saying is... They seem to have modeled 
Uh, are you sure? Are you sure? To a mermaid. That, yeah, it's like a Georgia O'Keeffe painting. You know, that's really what it was supposed all to represent. Right. <laughs> well, all right, never mind. I said the whole debate was put to rest, but there's always pedantic assholes like you who are like me, 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 fucking cop. <laughs> Always fighting for the status quo. Anyways. Yeah, so. sorry I'm a fucking nerd like that. <laughs> you jackass. You never have any revelations or new things, so. Oh, yeah, this is what you're so sad about, that the mermaid doesn't have an actual She vagina. does, though! It's on there! Want to watch the movie again? Jesus Christ. I don't know how you're looking at that, and you're like, you know what? No, that's that's just fins. <laughs> they very specifically made it to look... Vaginal yes, man. Obviously, obviously they did. I'm not <laughs> denying that. It's just like it's his own insanity. All I'm trying to represent is just like that's his insanity playing All out. Right, but like, fine. no, we'll the mermaid Listen, actually. Everyone, the, it's put to rest. You can fuck your mind, mermaids. I don't know what you want <laughs> exactly. Because remember the first flashback where he sees the mermaid. I like that's not there. It's only in like later flash like, or. You know, delusions with a mermaid where he sees that. How do you like the siren scream? This um, this movie has a lot of sharp, loud noises. It doesn't get obnoxious to any degree, except maybe at the end, but I think that was intentional. Because um, yeah. when we come yeah, to the island, you hear the fucking siren. Not the siren siren, but like the lighthouse. Fo- fog the foghorn. All the time, throughout the whole movie. The whole movie, you hear just boom, and it's it's constant. It's droning. It's maddening, and cool. <laughs> uh, it's maddening that you hear it all the time, every time. Every scene I think has it to some degree, um, and then you when you see the siren, she also has a high pitched shriek, a shrill, horrible sound. <laughs> but I guess that's what you would expect from a siren. Um. Uh, did you know that Anya Taylor Joy wanted to play the mermaid? I didn't, but that would have re- if she would have done that, that would have really completed my Cornetto trilogy. Um, um, comparison since she, at least she would be a constant through all the movies. But well, yeah, uh, because apparently she loved working on the witch so much with him. Which was like, a lot of fun. Is there anything? Uh, is there anything for that your new movie? And he explained like there's a there's a mermaid. It's like, I will be that mermaid. Just like, yeah, you shouldn't be this particular mermaid. <laughs> like, <laughs> this isn't for you. This isn't um, for you. And then, though, later on, hopefully, when you and I watch The Northman, uh, which does have Honey Taylor Joy in it, I, I wonder how you'll, how you'll approach that role comparative to The Witch. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I really like The Witch and really like The Lighthouse. Though, when I first saw The Lighthouse, I was like, I have to think about this. I don't know how I feel. And was like, <clears throat> So was it good? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to sleep on it. And after I, as I thought about it more, I'm like, you know what? This movie rocks. Yeah. Oh, uh, for me, uh, it was a situation where, like, I watched The Witch and I really liked it. And then it was announced that this director was going to be doing another movie. So I was keeping an eye on that. Then it was announced what the premise of the movie was. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Then they announced the cast. And, like, I was losing. I kept track of this movie. Throughout its entire production, uh, the release of its first trailer, its uh, its release date schedule, and everything, I was able to even secure tickets to like a two week early, like a two week prior showing, 
just so I could like get this movie experience as quick as possible. I'm a normal and it didn't person. Disappoint. I just waited till I heard. Oh, it's out. Oh, that's cool. I should check that out eventually. And I didn't. I'm not. And then it came out. There on are Amazon. movies that I do this for. Like <laughs> there are movies that I do this for. Like Dune Two. I'm super excited for when the It movies were coming out with uh, from Andy Mucchietti. I was really into those movies. Like and keeping track with the release schedule. But for this one, it was just. I love anything that just has a hint of cosmic horror because it's a genre that like people try to do, but it never always works, you know, because it's kind of a difficult, like it's, it's, it works better in the written form than it does in, uh, in like viewed media. Yeah. Except like I, I've seen a lot of like indie films, like the lighthouse that use it to great effect. But it's always like when you try to like put too much into like the creatures themselves that you're just like you're losing it. Yeah, I was just about to mention you're such a sucker for cosmic horror. <laughs> like a couple weeks back, I said I saw a dog shit fucking Cthulhu ass like Lovecraftian movie. It was awful, and you're like, what was it called? And I was like, oh, it's called that. And you're like, all right, I'm gonna go check it out. And I never asked you how what you thought about it, but yeah, that's a movie that really plays its hand too fucking much. <laughs> yeah, and it. It that was. movie was upsetting because, like, not good. It was another representation of like why cosmic horror doesn't work because people don't know how to do it, and instead they just take the creatures Aren't because the that creatures movie wasn't even being cool. Aren't they freaky? And is that why it wasn't people even like a cosmic it? horror story? It was just Rosemary's Baby. Well, that no, was all that movie I said was. Lovecraftian. I didn't say cosmic horror. I said Lovecraftian. No, it even says in there. Like, oh, okay. Like they specifically mention age. I'm Lovecraft. just it saying. Was just dumb. My, well, the way I phrased it was, I didn't tell you it was cosmic horror. I said it was Lovecraftian. Yeah. And that they and took the just, monster from Lovecraft. And so, like, this movie is one of those movies that does it really well because yeah. it's a what if. You don't even know if it's really cosmic yeah, horror. You don't you even know if it's cosmic horror. You try to convince yourself it is. But anytime I describe this to someone, I'm going to tell them it's cosmic horror. Yeah. It's whatever you kind of want it to be in that situation or what you determined it to be in that situation. Because, again, you cannot pigeonhole this movie because... They made sure for you that there's always going. You're always going to have a question about this movie. You're always going to be a question about the story, about the characters, about what happened and what really went on in this lighthouse. Because surprisingly, this is actually based off of a real myth about uh, the story of two lighthouse wikis, both named Thomas, who uh, got stranded due to an intense storm and died on the island. Right. And boom. You get this movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention the last high-pitched sh- uh, shrieking sound. It does get a little obnoxious, but like I said, I think it's intentional. And that's at the very end that we talked about where he looks into the lighthouse, and he's just laughing like a maniacal madman. And I kind of love it because his face is caked in blood. It's dark. Like, he's, like, you just, like, you see a little bit of his skin peeking through, but, like, his just, because it's in black and white, his face is just dark with blood all over the place but like as he's looking into the lighthouse and he's laughing the light from the lighthouse is beaming at him so brightly that his entire you can't even tell that there was any blood anymore it's just turning uh, like a pallid white and his laugh turns to screams and his screams get drowned out in this like what almost kind of sounds reminiscent of like all the foghorns you heard before it's just this distorted awful screaming that doesn't sound human at all anymore uh, right before uh, yeah. he falls through the floor and down the stairs. 
Uh, it's it's a great it's... visual and great use of audio. This I, we've been talking about the visuals of this movie. It's got amazing audio to it as well. These there's scenes in this that will just stick with me. Both the visual image and the sounds will just ring in my head. I love the uh, not only the sound, uh, but also like some of the music notes that they use in this, or the music beats they'll use, because like it's so reminiscent of like a film from like the 30s or 40s with this type of uh, style to it. And I think it really added to the effect of it. You know what I really like also about this film that you, that also keeps you guessing about it and why you cannot, even though like it's supposed to have vibes of cosmic horror, you can always dissuade yourself from it. And it's, it's reference to like Neptune and Poseidon and like other mythologies this is just like a smorgasbord of so many different legends and myths. And this man's insanity at the same time, you don't really know what's going on. It's all up to you. Yeah, you have uh, Greek and Roman myths. You have uh, like mm-hmm. local folk tale kind of mythology, Lovecraftian mythology. Don't know if there's any Christian mythology. His own, and even... Uh, wakes like bullshit stories he's telling about his sailing days which you don't even yeah. know if are true or yeah not. his legs fine right like he has two different stories about how you he's see him dancing leg, but he's dancing he's yeah dancing this motherfucker well actually maybe not because you did see him like when he's running after uh ephraim to cut the boat and chase him with the axe like he's got the limp to his run yeah it's just maybe not as bad as he makes it out to be See, because I just, I could see that as part of, like, him still having the wherewithal of, like, oh, keeping up appearances, keeping, you know, commitment to his lies, uh, as mm-hmm. opposed to when he fucks up and has a different story on how he fucked up his leg, it's while they were drinking. When he was dancing, it's cause, while they were drinking. It's those, like, loose moments where he lets it slip because you don't have the mental acuity to maintain a lie when drinking that much. I don't know. I think oh, his leg's yeah, fine. You're right. <laughs> I think, yeah, again... You don't know what part know of this movie is the truth real. about Tom. And especially when it comes to Thomas Wake, because he never shows really any truth to himself, because he's always just in control of everyone else around him. I'm that la- I'm going to date this fucking podcast, because even this is an outdated reference. I'm that, like that lady at the front of the plane pointing back at this movie going, that motherfucker ain't real! None of this movie's <laughs> real! None of it, ha- how much of it happened, how much of it's true, you don't even know by the end of it. Oh, uh, so Kaz... That's me. Did you like it? I did. I really do like this movie. Um, I know you talked a big game about how, how great it was when it came out. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I need to check it out. I didn't wait until I waited until it came out on, like, fucking Amazon or something. Because I was like, I'm not going to the yeah. theater. I don't yeah, need no, that. I, get it. I, get I saw it, like, one, like, you know, like, uh, hangover, like, morning or something. I'm just sitting there the next day after, like, drinking a shitload. I'm just like, oh, this went black and white, huh? All right, I guess we're in for it. <laughs> and then by the end of it, like I said, <laughs> Nan was like, so what, did you like, was it good? And I was like, I don't know. And now I guess, given some time in a rewatch, um, yeah, I do know. It is good. It's a good ass movie. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. It's terrifying. And it's funny. Um, this is great acting, great use of sound mixing, uh, great visuals in it. Um, yeah. Awesome, badass, stellar. Ten out of foot. I don't know. I don't give numbers. Um, we don't give numbers here. So, whatever a foot is to you, I'm not talking about inches, or am I? Anyway, 
Uh, square in, ye old sea dog. Yes, Captain. So, did you like it? Yeah, I. This movie never disappoints me when I watch it. I, it's a movie I. It's not a movie I'm gonna rewatch all the time, but whenever I come back to it, it's a movie I'm going to pay attention to. This is not like a movie I put on for background noise. I want to see every moment of it because it's always like there's a new interpretation of what could be going on when you watch it. You know, when I first saw this movie, I was like so supportive that it was cosmic horror. Now by this watch through, like I'm really am leaning towards that. Like a lot of it isn't real, but his own insanity, like even the ending, like with the him, his like him getting pecked out by seagulls. Like, was that even real? Or was that just his dying imagination before he dies? Just, alone at the bottom of those stairs because you don't know and robert eggers nails that mystery to this movie it is it is a film that defines being multi-genre it uses an old film style to match its tone in a way that the people that try to copy monochrome can't nail everything about this movie works and I always want to recommend it for anyone that wants to watch that type of like of niche indie uh, film style, you know? Oh, man. I just thought, like, <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Even though I'm on team, like, oh, it's all delusion. And, yeah, you just mentioned, like, is he actually out there or is he just alone at the bottom of – well, I do think he's alone at the bottom of the, um, the, the, the lighthouse and he's not actually out there. That's just kind of another part of his, like, fucked up mental delusions. Um I'll bet even in his fucked up mental delusion, that bird that's picking out his guts is fucking wake. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you want to know why? Hmm. Little corncob pipe out of his beak. Does it? No way. That's too cartoony. No. <laughs> no. I was like, that's not. No. no. They didn't fucking do that. No, I of course I'm fucking with you. I would have loved that. He's just fucking like pecking at him, got this corn pipe coming out of the side. I'm like, that's a rad's eagle. See, that can't be real. They didn't use a real bird for that. And if they did, Johnny rocks now. <laughs> Whispering in his ears, why'd you spill your beans, Tommy? <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I guess we should spill the beans on socials and all that, right? Yeah, what do you got going on in your life? Oh, you can catch this podcast live on Fridays at twitch.tv forward slash second respawn. That's the number two letters ND in the word respawn. We stream a variety of stuff, and we're heading into October, so lots of spookies for me. I'm going to be doing Last of Us, um, some more Dark Pictures anthology stuff. Uh, Nan's going to be doing... Nan's going to be doing Five Nights at Freddy, I think? No, I lied. Fuck you, Freddy. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, and we're going to be doing some Dark Side Chronicles, and I think like a VR game or two. Anyways, should be spooky, hopefully. Anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, that's that's it. You don't need to follow our Twitter. What do you want? Eh? <laughs> Get away from me. What do you, what, what, what you got to say that you can't say on stream? Eh? Anyways. Square, what, what, you got anything fun going on for October? Uh, yeah, I've got some D&D games that'll be streamed, so if you want to check those out, uh, the first one's going to be October 1st, so by the time this episode's out, it'll already have passed, but you can find it on MizzyCat's channel, so twitch.tv forward slash MizzyCat, M-I-Z-Z-I-C-A-T, and the second one, which will be happening on October 19th, 
will be on a streamer's channel named Smitty Bro, uh, twitch.tv forward slash S-M-I-T-T-Y-Y-B-R-O. I'm just doing some one-shots for Flight Team D&D with some very fun stories I have come up with in my free, in my free time that I usually don't have. Uh, so if you want to check those out, come come stop by. You can also follow me on Twitter uh, at SirSquarin, uh, twitter.com forward slash S-I-R-S-Q-U-A-R-I-N. Oh yeah, and this podcast comes out edited every week due to the hard work of our editor at, at Tucker Wins on Twitter. Uh, Tucker Wins, or sometimes streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Tucker underscore Wins. Or you can find him on Spotify under the name Tucker Wins Stanley. Any, anyway, we we don't have a movie pick for next week yet. So, uh, <laughs> We're all excited for October and yet nothing to watch. Yeah, nothing to watch. No, we have we have people that are going to... I asked Kaz to pick horror films for October. I asked him to pick all four. So then he went with the idea of picking two and then having Bubs pick two for us. And That's then after right. I left the call on Wednesday, <laughs> he then turned it into... Apparently, we're going to have a bunch of guests that all picked horror films, and I don't know any of who they were actually when what they picked. So we're going to see how this goes. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, don't get gaslit. Um, don't worship old ones or Cthulhu-like creatures, because most of the time they're not really there. Don't be killing those seabirds. And never spill your beans. Ah!